What we're dealing with here, glittering air, is a complete lack of respect for the law and smoking the reef. Call the dust pump. We live in a society of laws. That pump? Yeah. No, that's not real. This thing a weed. Takes one side a weekend of training to get that bag. Hello, ladies and gents. Welcome back to the Police Academy podcast. Joining us today is Sheriff Scott Rose of the Officer Down Memorial podcast. Um, We don't get to talk much about his podcast, um, but please go check it out, officerdownmemorialpodcast.com. It's a phenomenal show, Um, really good storytelling, very high production value. His production value puts my show to shame, um, just being honest. He is a true professional when it comes to um, broadcasting. And because he did have a professional career in broadcasting. Um, so go check that out, officerdownmemorialpodcast.com. Uh, before we get to the show, I have a few shout outs to get in here today. First is uh, Gregory K out of Portland, Oregon. Um, the next one, Joshua H from Terrell, Texas. Terrell or Terrell? I would assume Terrell. I apologize for my ignorance, Joshua, but thank you for being one of our top tier members. Appreciate you. And old Kyle S. from Hughesville, Maryland. A little hidden gem in the rough there in Hughesville. Um, Thank you all for being here, for supporting the show, for being our um, part of our fearless membership. Um, if you don't know, if you become a fearless member, you get our, the, it's the only way to get our police Academy podcast Tumblr. Um, you also get the best discounts on merch at the police Academy podcast store. Well, really. And on that note, I'll transition to talking about our store. Um, we launched a brand called good, strong, free. Um, as if you've been listening for a while, you know, I end every show with do good, be strong, stay free. So we started a brand, GSF, Good Strong Free. Right now it's hosted on the Police Academy Podcast website. So you go to policeacademypodcast.com, click the store. That's our GSF store. Um, So go check that out. The shirt I'm wearing right now is one that is available on the store. It's actually my personal favorite, but that continues to change. So, um, you know, I, this one is currently my favorite but i i just started wearing the dark lion i think is what it's called it's the red one it has uh, a black uh our logo but big on the front might be my new favorite i don't know um but i've been wearing them as much as possible just as product testing for one and uh because they're phenomenal shirts i know i'm biased but uh if you have like grunt style shirts anything like that they fit similar to that. They're very um, athletic fit, but the material in is actually a little bit better than what they put out from my experience. So go check it out. Policeacademypodcast.com slash GSF or just go to the store and you can find that there. It is March, which is Women's History Month. So the shirt that we have, the Murica edition shirt, um, and the only reason that one's not my favorite is because it's all in women's sizes and I can't fit into our largest size. It will, they will fit um, a male body figure, but only up to someone who wears about a medium. Um, you have to order that shirt for a male, uh, two sizes larger than what you would normally wear in men's sizes. But they do fit well, even for men, um, if you get the right size. But they're all in women's sizes. So we discounted those 22% for the month of March because it's 2022 and it's Women's History Month right now. So go check that out, policeacademypodcast.com. And then, of course, again, our our members that we gave a shout out to earlier, they are members over at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Members get access to our private chat server. We're having conversations over there all the time. Um, I, I do my best to put all of my workouts on there for fitness purposes, even though I'm not like a physical trainer, it just, it's motivation for everybody. Um, and then of course we have three different tiers of, of membership that give you access to different levels of content that uh, the public doesn't have access to. So go check that out, patreon.com. And 
let's jump into this uh, awesome interview with Sheriff Scott Rose of the Officer Down Memorial Podcast. Hope you guys enjoy the show. We'll see you on the flip side. When I looked at your background, uh, it, it suddenly made sense because I did go and listen to uh, a couple of your episodes, and my my first impression was this production quality is extremely high. And right. this guy's this guy's got a great um, narrator announcer voice. Um, and I look at your background, I'm like, oh, okay, he's he's uh, <laughs> from broadcasting production and and all that stuff. So uh, really interesting career path. If you want to start there, uh, I'd love yeah. to hear kind of you know a little bit about your production and, and director kind of career path, and then uh, and I'm a Nebraska boy, so. You were kind oh, okay. of you're kind of in my area um, back in the Absolutely. day. Absolutely. Um, so if you want to start there, and then we can work toward you know what led you to law enforcement and where you're at now. Yeah, sure. So uh, for me, um, I ended up going into radio because growing up, I was always into music. Growing up, I was always um, uh, I played in bands. I played uh, bass guitar in bands, and and music was a big thing for me. So the the transition going from high school to going to uh, going into broadcasting uh, seemed to make sense to me. I was a, I was a cop's kid and a teacher's kid in high school. And um, which means I was always in trouble and uh, (laughs) always in trouble and nothing, nothing major, but I was just, I was just kind of a wild child. Right. So my, my, my father was uh, because of, because of music and everything else. And my dad agreed. He said, I, I had the perfect face for radio. And he, he thought that was a perfect career choice for me. And I thought, well, thanks. I love you too, <laughs> thanks, Dad. Dad. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I went to broadcasting school in Arizona and uh, at the Bailey, Ron Bailey School of Broadcast in downtown Phoenix, which was a culture shock for me to begin with because I came from a, a town of 4,000 people in southeast Minnesota. Mm. And uh, now I'm living in downtown Phoenix, going to school there. Uh, loved it. Loved broadcasting school. Um, I went from there to Nebraska to my first uh, uh, full-time on-air uh, announcer and audio production director position for a rock station in Nebraska. That's where okay. I met my wife. Okay. Um, down in McCook, Nebraska. Oh, wow. Uh, Small way world. down in the middle of nowhere. Small world. I have family, yes, exactly. I have family yeah. there. So Yeah. Yeah. So um, I worked for KZMC, uh, Z105 Radio there. And then I went from there to uh, a radio station in Oberlin, Kansas, a country station down across the border in Kansas. Then uh, after that, I came back to the McCook and I worked for KICX radio. And then from KICX, I went to Z1 or uh, Laser 101.7 in Rochester, Minnesota, uh, right. which is a, the classic rock station in Rochester. And um, which, which was fun for me because that was home for me. Man. And uh, my, my wife and I, my wife then at the time, it, um, we had decided we wanted to go somewhere where there were better schools for the kids. And um, we ended up moving to, to Minnesota back where I grew up. The, the schools in Minnesota are great. Nothing against Nebraska. No, it's not a Nebraska dig. Um, but I grew up in Minnesota. My dad was a teacher there, uh, a teacher and a cop there. And I knew the I was just really comfortable with the education program up there. So, or up here, I should mm-hmm. say I'm here now. Right. And uh, so we moved up here and um Working in, in in radio up here, I worked in radio up here, and then uh, I got involved on the sheriff's posse. We had horses. Uh, my wife and I have always had horses, and the and the sheriff's office did a reserve posse program. And uh, back then, everything was done on horseback. So you did the rodeo, the parade, the uh, fair security. Everything was done on horseback. Right. And um, uh, on the posse, you had to be a – in addition to – volunteering for the posse you had to do one ride along a month with patrol okay and uh and so i'm on the posse in the same agency that my dad worked for forever mm. um which was seemed kind of funny to me because these guys chased me around when i was a kid and um so i'm doing ride alongs with them and i'm i'm loving it i just i love the i love the night work i love the camaraderie with the uh with the with their crew i loved uh um you know as cliche as it sounds i loved helping people i've i loved I know a ton of people in this community. I grew up here. Right. So for me, it was fun to be able to be there to help when they needed it. And um, that ended up being kind of my transition into into law enforcement because I, I looked forward to mm. my part-time job more than my full-time job. So yeah. in, in Minnesota, you have to have a college degree. 
mm-hmm. a law enforcement college degree to be a cop. So really? I had to go back to school. Okay. Uh, so I ended up um, at 30, I ended up going back to college and, and being the old guy in school and uh, got my degree. And I fortunately I got, I got hired with Dodge County and I've been here ever since. So nice. Um, it's kind of a weird transition. Um, yeah. Especially, no, it, especially it people sense. who knew me here, they're like, I, I was the, the, the radio thing made sense. Me becoming a cop, including with my dad made no sense. <laughs> yeah. My dad was like, you're the one, you're the one kid that was always brought home in the backseat. Right. And now you say you're going to go to school to be a cop. I'm like, I get to sit in the front seat now. It's kind of cool. So, right. <laughs> hey, yeah, so you grew up and that's good. Yeah. It took me a while. Yeah. <laughs> it took, took me a while, but I did it. So, um, so it's been a great career path for me. Uh, law enforcement was great. I worked coming into law enforcement with some life experience and some, mm-hmm. some, some marketing and business experience outside of law enforcement allowed me to get involved with a bunch of different projects at the sheriff's office and help improve things and, mm-hmm. and, uh, improve technology and improve their, their, I don't want to say marketing, but improve their, uh, presence in the community with, uh, social media, with websites. Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it helped a lot. I mean, it helped a ton. Like yeah. you said, that life experience, I think, when, when these officers get in really young, um, they grow up, you know, in, in the military, we talk about growing up in the army or Marines or whatever, right. you, you grew up a certain way in your professional career. And if you grow up as a cop, it's really hard to see what the, understand the perspective and the perception of the public and how to, how to really like make sure that your agency and and even individual officers are are working with the public in a way that makes sense to them. Yep. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. But, but you are we're in perfect position to understand that and be able to to help. So that's awesome. Yeah, that sounds. Well, and the other thing amazing. you know, with life experience, um, having life experience also with kids, that sometimes we see yep. so, uh, we see a bit of a struggle and a bit of disconnect with some of the younger cops mm-hmm. who are coming right out of school to be a cop and have no life experience, no family. Um, you know, some of them just moved out of mom and dad's place and, and, and now they're expected to go in a domestic situation and, and, uh, you know, talk down this couple that's arguing about bills and kids and issues and yeah, stuff, and, stuff that you've never dealt with before, but they have no clue about, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. so and it, that was good. we have plenty of young, um, young aspiring and rookie cops in here that, uh, obviously they're, that's not, that's not a hard line. There's you know, you right. can still be a great cop, um, but right. you, right. but no, you will absolutely. learn a lot along the way. So, yeah, no, absolutely. Good. So, so the one advantage to those cops, to those kids, I call them kids, my oldest or sorry, my youngest son, my youngest son's 25. My oldest son is 36. He'll be 37 this year. Okay. So everybody that's applying to our office is a kid. Um, so I, I refer to them as kids yeah. and the, the one advantage to um, having somebody come in that doesn't have uh, any life experience or any, certainly any law enforcement experience is that they, we feel like we can help teach them the right way. You know, we don't mm-hmm. have to fix any problems or any issues For or sure. any, yeah. any disagreements or, or any, um, a- any differences in training ideas or, or handling calls or whatever. So it works better that way for us. Right. Um, yeah, but for you, um, you didn't come from a law enforcement background, so you had that no. advantage of life experience but also didn't have to be retrained, so to speak. Right. So was, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So how, how big is the County? Um, you, you know, I'm, I'm just curious because, you know, you said it's cliche and it is, but it's because it's true. I think a majority of cops join because they want to help people. Right? right. Um, and after having served in a, in a city PD, um, and kind of getting a feel for how that's different from being, you know, a sheriff's deputy or in your case, sheriff now, um, I definitely see the sheriff's departments having advantage in the area of community. Um, if, okay, granted, if you're in a smaller city, it's probably more similar to being in a sheriff's office because you, you can, you know, get to know your community a little bit better. But if you're in a hundred plus thousand, um, citizen community, it's really hard to, to feel like you, you know, all the, yeah, you know, the frequent flyers you're always going to, right, the people right. you deal with all the time. 
You right. take them to jail five times. It's like, what's up, Frank? You know, like, <laughs> what are you doing today? Right. Um, but that's, I, I see that as a huge advantage of going and, and I say this for our listeners who have never experienced either one, um, going to a sheriff's department, you do have that opportunity to kind of get to know the pulse of, if it's in a more rural area, um, that area and that community. Absolutely. With, um, you know, for our county, we're, we have 40, 400, around 440 square miles. You know, so it's not a huge county. Uh, mm-hmm. And population-wise, I haven't seen the new numbers from the census yet, but I'm guessing it's 20, around 25,000, 23,000, okay. 25,000. You know, so it's not a huge community um, by any means. And and for us, I think that's I think that's one of the draws for me in working for working in the county, working for a sheriff's office in that for us, you know, we go to some of the metro areas and, and I don't think they do it this way anymore. But when I first started, you'd go to like Rochester, Rochester's a hundred and right now it's 120 some thousand people mm-hmm. and their, their city limits is eight miles, eight, nine miles east of our border. Um, and a lot of those guys, a lot of the officers there, if you look on their driver's license on their driver's license, their address is the LEC. It's the police department. They never put their home addresses on their on their on their uh, on their driver's licenses, right? And they wouldn't go to work in uniform, right? Um, in the county, it's way different. We have take home squads. We we ha- our 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 squads are parked in the driveway. Everybody knows we work for the sheriff's office. Mm-hmm. Um, and for us, I think. I think in the county you get more vested into the community because it, because it's smaller and because you 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 know you're raising your family you're raising your kids there, mm. um, and I, I tell people, you know, when we talk about all the anti law enforcement garbage that you hear on the on the national media and the mainstream media, you know we talk about the fact that the deputies that are in Dodge County, for example, we're the we're the ones that you sit next to in the restaurant. We're the ones that you sit next to in church. We're the ones that are cheering on our kids or playing with your kids at the sports game. We see you at the mm-hmm. grocery store. Yeah. You know, we're, we're part of the community. You know where we're at? Our car's right in the driveway. A lot of people come right to our doors if they have questions on stuff, whether we're working or not. And we're okay with that because it's our community. Right. You know, and, and the, the, the other, the, the other important factor to that for us from a communication standpoint is when you're working for a county, it's not like Rochester, Minneapolis, or St. Paul, where my backup's 30 seconds away. Mm-hmm. If I'm walking into an issue, if I'm walking into a domestic situation or, or some kind of a call where it could be a safety issue for me, I don't always have a luxury of waiting for a backup car. Mm-hmm. My backup may be 10 minutes away. My backup may be more. My, I may not have backup coming depending mm-hmm. on the call load and depending on where everybody else is at. So right. I have to be able to communicate with these folks and be able to uh, de-escalate verbal judo is we, what we call it here. Um, you need to be able to talk your way through things. You need, you need to be able to call things out. You can't just go in, uh, be all cowboy and go in and, and, and take care of the incident like that thinking, well, sure, I got somebody right behind me coming to help because that's not always the case. Mm. So when I'm dealing with these folks in a domestic situation or situation with their kids or, or whatever the, whatever the call is, I, I got to remember that I'm going to probably talk to these folks again, whether it's, right. whether it's a call at their place or whether it's them seeing me, maybe I need help on a call, or maybe I need help with somebody dealing with somebody at an incident or a traffic stop or whatever. Um, you know, these are the folks, these may be the only folks that can help me in the future. Right. You know, so it's a way, I think it's a way different dynamic, a way different, um, a different, almost, almost a different culture from a law enforcement standpoint than, you know, than working for a Metro PD. Right. And, and it, for it some people, is. that's not the right fit for them. Right. Yeah, it, it, it definitely is a different culture. Um, and I think, again, to a lot of our younger listeners, um, you just have to understand when, when guys like us talk about community, we're talking about a very different thing. If you grew up on one of the coasts where you're surrounded by big cities and people everywhere, right? Community does not exist in those areas as community has existed um, over the course of human history in true small communities. It's a very, and I'm not knocking on those areas and people that grew up in that area. It's just, it is a different culture. 
it is a different idea of community and it is it is in fact actual naturally occurring organic community um and it's an awesome thing if you if you've never lived in more rural area um for me there's not a lot that can replace that no i agree which is which is what drew us back here when uh when my oldest son was getting ready to start school again right i wanted i wanted that community i wanted that i want i it's hard you know it's hard to explain for folks that don't folks that have been in the city all the time or their their whole lives or the majority of their life, the folks that have been in a city or in a metro area, it's hard to explain the the difference until you're here, and, right? Until you get it, you know. Yeah, the first question is, know. well, what what is there to do? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what, <laughs> what? Like, right? Yeah, I mean, sure, you don't have a mall like ten minutes down the road, but right, like, right. you can you can go out and do whatever you want, really. Like you right. have you have so much you more have freedom to do. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, I love it. I, um, it's, it's, uh, it's been really good for me. You know, when I, when uh, growing up, so it's kind of interesting. So as a kid growing up here, I thought I just wanted to go out and see what else was out there. Right. Yeah. Cause I was a cop's kid and a teacher's kid. We didn't have yeah. a lot of money. We didn't do a lot of traveling. Um, so when I, uh, uh, ended up going to Phoenix, the, to me, that was fascinating mm. cause I'd never been in a big city like that before. And, uh, I don't know, I guess, I don't know if I told you the story. So one of the, the, the reason I got to Phoenix in the first place and found the broadcasting school is because I had a buddy of mine who was working for the Mayo Clinic in Scottsdale when it first opened up down there mm-hmm. and he had bought a car up here. He was flying back up here to drive the car back down to Phoenix. And his parents asked me if I could fly or if I could help him drive the vehicle down there. And then they'd fly me back home. Mm-hmm. Well, I just graduated from high school. I'm 18 years old. I've been out of high school for a month never been anywhere trying to figure right. out what to do with my life and and hey free road trip free road trip yeah. exactly <laughs> so we we went to phoenix uh that weekend from phoenix we drove to san diego i saw the ocean for the first time i'm in this big city there's all this stuff to do and uh that weekend i was supposed to fly back home and my dad was going to pick me up at the airport and that that was on a saturday this was july i graduated from high school in june barely and then in july um I'm supposed to fly back after a week in Phoenix and I call, I call home and my dad, my dad, funny sense of humor. My, my dad answers the phone yellow. Hey dad, this is Scott. You at the airport yet? Nope. When are you going to be there? Well, hopefully in like October maybe or September. And my dad, my the next words, the only words my dad said after that was, I'll let you talk to your mother. And then he hands the phone <laughs> to mom <Yeah. laughs> and mom, mom freaks. Um, my dad, I put them through a lot as a kid, so he wasn't terribly surprised that I wasn't coming back, but my mom's like, your car's in front of our house. All your stuff is here. How, what do you mean? You're not coming back. Right. And I said, I found a broadcasting school. I'm going to go into radio. Dad said I had the perfect face for radio. It's a good fit for me. And that's what ended up. That's how I ended up in Phoenix. So I went from in one week, I went from, you know, three or 4,000 people my whole life in Casson to a million plus in the and just and, and living in downtown phoenix right um but my my point to that story is after having done that and when i when i when i we had our first son it's like i it's it's fun the big i liked the big city when i was when as a kid i was 10 right. foot tall and bulletproof i could do anything mm-hmm. but then with looking at a family looking at uh uh looking looking forward it's like eh, this is not the environment i want to raise my kid in mm-hmm. i want to i want to, i want my kid to experience what i what i experienced which is the the small town community and and in the county and which is what brought us back to minnesota and, and that's how i ended up coming back and working for laser in rochester so uh and a great move for us uh, all my kids went k through 12 in the same same school district that i did mm-hmm. um oddly enough my oldest son had the same kindergarten teacher that i did which seems That's crazy awesome. to me. Yeah. Um, but, and they're all, you know, all my kids are super successful and they've done well and they all in their own way, they all, um, are, are public servants to one degree or another. And, uh, um, I, like I said, like you said, you, you can't, unless you've been there, unless you've lived in that small community, uh, unless you understand that dynamic or that culture, it's pretty hard to explain. Yeah. And I think a lot of people that do grow up in that environment have the advantage of 
um, because just in your case, it, it's very common that as you you know graduate high school, you want to see what else is out there. You want to go experience the big cities and, oh, and these absolutely. things, you know, these environments you've never been in. And so you leave and live that while you're young. Um, and, and then you have a, a perspective or an understanding of both uh, environments. And right. like you said, you start having kids and it's like, well, do I want my kids growing up here um, surrounded by sex offenders, crime, right. Right. Sh- shitty schools, et cetera? Right. Or do I want to raise them in a community where I know that they're relatively speaking, very safe, good schools, et cetera? Um, you, you know, my question was, do kind of the big question when you, when you, when you, when you speak of it that way, I think the, the, the question that I brought to, to my wife is, or the point that I made to my wife is I want to have my kids going to a school that I feel comfortable walking through. Yeah. If they're in a school district that I don't necessarily feel comfortable walking through, how can I expect them to feel comfortable and get a good education and, and have a, you know, have a good experience of growing up and, and, uh, and, you know, in some of the areas that we lived in that they, they didn't have that. Right. So I knew when we'd come back here, you know, knowing the schools and knowing the, knowing the area, I knew it'd be a, for me, it'd be a better experience to them, more of an experience like I had, right? You know, a safe experience, and and one where we could relax too, and knowing that they're safe, like yeah. you said. And, and it's heartbreaking that there are schools where an, oh, a, an adult male would walk through and go, "Yeah, this is a bit, this is a little sketchy." Yeah, um, but there are, right? Yeah, that's, that's a reality. A, it's a hard reality. Um, yeah. And again, I mean, it speaks to a very different. Uh, community, a different culture, um, and all kinds of other dynamics that you don't, that the big city has to deal with where small communities right. don't necessarily. Right. So. right, right. No, absolutely. So we talked a little bit about your, how you ended up getting into law enforcement. Um, and so let's start back there. Um, you joined the sheriff's office and then how did, how'd your career go leading up to where you're at now? So when I started with the sheriff's office, um, I worked patrol and then, uh, the, at the time they didn't have when I left, I was working for Rochester PD, Rochester police department as a civilian mm-hmm. while I was going to, while I was going to college. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so when I was there, I was working on their, their website and a bunch of techie computer stuff. And, um, so when I came to Dodge County, they didn't have a website yet. And, uh, so one of my first things was I, I put together a website for them and I put together a crime prevention program for them. I worked in crime prevention at Rochester and it was just not something that they'd ever done, Mm. uh, at the, at the County level. So I helped put that together. Um, as we moved forward, we did the, uh, I did the website. Uh, we started working on, on the social media presence for the County, um, because of my computer background with, uh, or my electronics and computer background, I worked with it and helped develop the first MCT program or lap laptops in the squad program. Mm. Um, we put, uh, we put laptops in all of our squads in 2005. And it's a program that I worked with, with our, with our it and with the state, um, we're one of the first, one of the first small counties around to have anything like that, uh, which was exciting for our guys and exciting for me too, because I always liked having a challenge in front of me. Mm. Um, and, uh, so I did that. I worked on the, a new, uh, a new taser program for the, uh, for the office. We didn't have any less lethal than, um, the, 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 the agency was, was, was behind from the standpoint of training and, and, um, training and technology and but you had a lot of guys that had been there a long time and uh, uh as new people came in new ideas came in mm-hmm. and uh fortunate i was fortunate enough to have a great sheriff at the time sheriff weber that that was very open to you know trying some of these new things and and uh and implementing some of these and and it was great he just kind of let me go with it and i went from there to let's see crime prevention into the technology and then i went from there to warrants loved doing warrants, um, went from warrants to entry team, loved kicking indoors. Um, you know, I talked to new, I, I spoke at Winona state university yesterday talking to the college students or the uh, law enforcement students there and, um, talking about how, how you need to go into law enforcement for the right reasons. Hmm. And those guys that go into just for the adrenaline dump, um, those are the guys that burn out. Those are the guys that don't last long, or those are the guys that get in trouble, frankly. Right. Um, but I said, that being said, 
it's still one of my favorite parts of the job was kicking indoors. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, oh my God. I loved, <laughs> I loved working on the entry team. Um, yeah. so entry team, <clears throat> and then I went from entry team to investigations and, uh, worked investigations. And then, uh, after some, some, uh, major challenges within our office with the, the, the incumbent sheriff at the time, uh, I ended up running for sheriff and was elected in 2014. So, I want to make one point on that because it's important for these younger, um, the rookies, your agency will experience dark times, Absolutely. Uh, regardless of how good of an agency it is, it's going to go through bad times. So, um, knowing when it's time to jump ship and go somewhere better and knowing when it's, when it's, Hey, this isn't systemic. This is, this is an issue with these people. I'm going to hang in there and stick it out. That's important. Um, but I was going to ask you before we even got here, what is it like to run for sheriff for, because, but it is an elected position. So what, right. you know, you're in broadcasting now you're a cop and, um, or a deputy. And now all of a sudden you're a politician, right? You're, you're running uh, for political office, essentially. That's true. Um, so what was that like? So for us, the dynamic was different because of how I got there. Right. Um, our, in uh, the, 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 the previous sheriff to, to myself, he had, he was very old school. Um, he was, uh, uh, he liked to, to micromanage. He liked to, um, he didn't like it when anybody disagreed with him. Mm -hmm. If you, if you disagreed with him once, he was going to do anything he could to make sure you weren't working there anymore. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and so he would target people and it made it a extremely stressful environment for everybody. Mm -hmm. And it got to the point where he didn't feel like he could trust anybody because of his disciplinary management style. And, um, so he had, a, his circle became smaller and smaller and smaller to the point where it got to the point where we, we couldn't take somebody to jail without calling him and approving it. Wow. And that's 24 seven. Right. Um, it just, it got out of, out of, it got out of hand. And, um, and then he would, he, for and th so then he would get more opposition from staff mm -hmm. as he tightened down and with more opposition from staff it became uh the animosity became worse and the 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 dynamic became worse and where he was doing everything he could to try and get rid of those people or distance himself from those people and mm -hmm. uh in his defense when 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 he started here it was there were seven deputies or something like that, six or seven deputies. It was, it was a super small agency. And, and back then it was old school, the sheriff back then he did micromanage everything. He ran everything. Yeah. Um, but now you have, you know, over 50 employees here. You can't micromanage everybody. It doesn't work that way. Right. And, uh, um, at the time, so it was the sheriff chief deputy and captain. Those were the top three in our office at the time. And our captain, who was one of my best friends at work, Lauren Gunther, um, he felt like he had to protect everybody. He felt like he, he had to play both sides of the fence. He was, we call him a white shirt. Um, admin is a white shirt. They mm -hmm. work on one side of the building and we work on the other. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, he felt he had to protect everybody from the sheriff, from being fired or from being disciplined unfairly or, or whatever the case may be. Um, and the animosity got so extreme between him and the sheriff that we have, we have a ton of cameras in our, in our building and, and the sheriff would monitor him on the cameras. And if the sheriff couldn't see him on the cameras, he'd text him, where are you at? Hmm. What are you doing? Right. I mean, it was that kind of micromanage, just, 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 just to the extreme. And, um, that, that really started to affect Loring. It, it started to affect his, um, his, him personally, it started to affect his health unbeknownst to the rest of us. Yeah. Um, Loring was in great shape. Um, things were great at home. His wife, Deb, she's an absolute sweetheart. And, uh, they didn't have any kids at home. So it was just the two of them and things were great there, but things were rough at work. Yeah. And in September of 2013, uh, or prior to September, 2013, we had talked that it'd be Loring that would run against the sheriff in 2014 mm -hmm. because we needed a change. We were going to lose people. And, um, um, you know, people are stressed, super stressed in our office. Yeah. Loring, uh, on September 10th of 2013, uh, that morning he went to, he told his wife, he just didn't want to go to work. He was sick to his stomach. Just didn't want to go. He was tired of it. And, um, he had 
in the last month or month and a half prior to that, he had stopped talking to me about his stress level. We taught, we tried to talk about, we never had a peer support program back there, back then, or any mental health, you know, uh, um, counseling or anything like you didn't have that back then. Um, he stopped talking that morning. He told us why he was sick, sick to stomach. Didn't want to go to work, was tired of it. He went to work. His wife worked with my wife at the time. Deb walks into the shop with my wife and says, this job's going to kill him. The stress is going to kill him. Mm. That right after work that night, he died of a heart attack. He was 43. Wow. And uh, in the best shape of his life. Um, and, uh, and, and many of us were there. We're there at the house when he died. Yeah. And we... It, it changed everything for us because this was the one guy that was there for us when the sheriff wasn't right. And now we don't have him. Mm -hmm. Um, the sheriff had already, the chief deputy is a number two in our office, but the sheriff had long before that kind of unplugged him from everything because he was a veteran there too. And, and, uh, the sheriff just didn't trust him for whatever reason. Um, so so then it's the the chief deputy and then the rest of us and we're trying to figure out now what are we going to do mm -hmm. well two months later uh after we're our agency is still trying to recover from losing loring in that way the the sheriff fired the chief deputy mm -hmm. so now number two and number three are gone now it's just us and the sheriff mm -hmm. and um i ended up drawing the short straw my uh, I had a, a recognizable name in the community because my dad had been a cop there for 30 some years and a teacher there for 30 some years. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I ended up running and it was a, it was a very, very dirty, rough campaign, not on our end. You know, we kept mm -hmm. it pretty, we kept, well, not pretty clean. We kept it extremely clean. Um, you know, we, we campaigned the way we thought the office should be run. Right. And, um, you know, unfortunately, fortunately, we came out uh, uh, on top in November. And and then, so then in November, I get elected. I'm like, holy shit, now what? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I was, I've never been in the administrative office. Right. You know, I hated that office. I didn't want to be a white shirt. Right. I didn't want to work in the West Wing. That's what we, because they're in the West Wing, we're in the East Wing. And uh, so I'm going from all this, bro, all this stuff in the robe, the technology, investigations, kicking in doors, all the stuff that I love doing. Now I'm the sheriff. What right. the hell? Yep. Um, so, so there was a learning curve. Uh, there was no transition. There was no, um, he, he and I didn't speak once between election night and the day I was sworn in. Um, so I, I walked into it not knowing about, I had no clue about his budget, no clue about, no clue about anything. Mm -hmm. I had no documentation in it. There was no documentation left in his office. So I had to start from scratch. Um, I'm pretty outspoken. Okay. I'm not pretty, I'm very outspoken. Um, I'm, I'm, and I'm very conservative, especially when it comes to law enforcement. Mm. And, um, you know, that's, unfortunately I'm in a community that's super conservative and, and super law enforcement supportive. And I got a lot of friends here and, uh, um, you know, I just, I just, I rallied around the, the, it was weird because I got, I, I was elected. I was elected and now I'm the, now I'm sheriff and now I'm supposed to be the supervisor to all these guys who are all senior to me. Right. Because I, I came there as a second career. Mm -hmm. I, I hadn't been there that long. Right. You started late. Right. Um, so not only the dynamic of now I'm the sheriff, but now I'm the sheriff and I'm supposed to be the, the, the boss to everybody who has been my boss for years. Um, it was, it was weird, uh, but, it, but it was good. Um, I don't ever want to do a campaign like that again. I am one and done for political positions, mm -hmm. one and done. Um, because that was, uh, campaign years are rough. It's rough on the family. It's especially when, uh, when, if any mudslinging gets started, which right. there was a ton of it. Um, I was going to say, I think if you care about your reputation being doing any sort of political work right. like that would, would be hard. Because there's oh, going to be a tough. lot of stuff said about you that just isn't true. It's tough on your spouse. It's tough on your kids. Um, but we got through it, and uh, and it's it's gone really, really well. We got, 
a great agency, great people. You know, it's, what's interesting is prior to my being elected, we had grievances. We were a union state. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so we'd have grievances uh, monthly with administration. Um, this is, I just finished my, or this is my eighth year as sheriff and we haven't had a grievance. It's a good sign. And it's, but my, my point of that is it, it's not because of me. It's, it's still all the same people. Yeah. It's all the same people that were grieving before. Mm-hmm. The difference is we're just letting them do their job now and we're trusting them. Right. You know, we're all working together and we're working through things. There's, we, you, you, you you, you check your, uh, we check our egos at the door. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, once you get into an agency like that, it's so cool. Cause it's, you, you, it's, it's like a huge, huge family. Right. Um, so it's been really good. I mean, I'm blessed to be here. Yeah. The, so the micromanaging is on obviously the, the worst end of the spectrum. Right. Um, and that usually goes along with narcissism and a lack of humility and all this stuff, which it sounds yep, like absolutely. he had, and I've had chiefs like that as well. And then on the opposite end, it's like, um, and this, my, the best leaders I had in law enforcement, as well as in the military, um, were the kinds of leaders who said, okay, here's your left limit. Here's your right limit, right? It, as long as you stay within department policy, you stay within, you know, your authority as an officer, um, you're enforcing actual laws. I'm not going to tell you how to do these things. You can be a you can be the cop that you were created to be. I'm not. And the micromanagers are like, well, I want you to do. I want you to handle this call this exact way. I want you to be a mini version of me. And the the tragedy is what happened with Mooring. Um, yeah, absolutely. It, that toxic leadership literally costs people's lives. Yeah. Um, it ruins their home life. It causes alcoholism, divorce, suicide, uh, heart attacks. Um, I had, I didn't have that bad of an experience with any leaders in my police agency, but I did have that level of um, toxicity in the military. And it put me in the hospital. I'm only 35 now. I think it was no. 34, 35 at the time. Um, I started having heart palpitations and, and thought I was having a heart attack. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm not a guy that gets stressed out about much at all. I learned really young, like focus on what you can control and don't worry about the rest. But when you're dealing with someone with that kind of um, just truly toxic management style and personality, they have a way, at least for me, he somehow got, under my skin in in a very, very detrimental, dangerous way. Um, And it sounds like, you know, Loring was dealing with that for a longer period of time and in a um, probably more acute way than, than even I did. And it just, it just goes to show like, again, the tragedy of it is that, okay, we have, it's a dangerous enough job, right? You can get run over on the side of the road. You can get shot, stabbed, whatever being a cop is dangerous. Why, why do we also have to worry about each other? Right. Can't, right. can't we just right. worry about what happens out there and, and take care of each other. And yep. unfortunately there's um, far too many in, in the community that don't see that. Right. For whatever I talk, reason. I, I talked to Cleo's chiefs and, and sheriffs about law enforcement and about leadership and about, um, the the exact point that you just made this the job is stressful enough the way it is the mm-hmm. cumulative stress that our guys and gals that are working the streets deal with every day is bad enough without as a, as leaders as sheriffs as chiefs as supervisors we have a responsibility to make sure that we're not adding to that stress right you know our our responsibility is to make sure that they have the the training the tools and the and the support so they can go out there with their 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 game face on and, and do the job the way they need to do and, and come home safe every night. Right. And they can't do that when they're when they're stressed out about with uh, with our agency. We found out afterwards after I got elected and after I started that we had just that I know of six to eight uh, deputies who during the previous four years had been. Uh, put on anxiety meds or high blood pressure meds 
guys that have never been on any medication before for stress. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't because of the road. It was because of the office. Right. Um, you know, we have a responsibility to these, these men and women are, are willing to make this commitment to take on this stressful of a job or a career or a calling uh, to, for our communities. It's our responsibility to make sure we're not adding to that. Um, and, uh, and, and like you said, we, you know, we saw the, the worst of it. We saw what can happen when you keep piling on, piling on that stress at work. And, uh, you know, unfortunately we, we lost Lauren with it. So yeah, tough, it tough is. lesson. And, and it's, it's not unique. Um, and that's, that's the frustrating thing when you get, whether it's the military, whether it's police work, civilian work, whatever it is, that company that department, that agency has its its own ecosystem. Right. And it it's very difficult, even though everyone sees the problem, very, very few people are willing to, number one, say it out loud to the problem, right? Willing to tell the person, because I, you know, I had a recent experience where we have this new commander who actually seems like a really nice guy. I can tell he he wants to, you know, wants to connect with the the lower enlisted guys, even though he's the company commander. Um, he, he's really trying. But he was screwing up in very big ways, um, it just from a leadership perspective. And right. ha did not have, he lost, you know, whatever trust a brand new commander has coming in um, from the subject matter, subject matter experts, which are the lower enlisted in my unit whatever trust that person has, which is kind of like temporary trust, right? You, you we're going to trust you to a certain extent and then you got to earn the rest, uh, was completely gone. And, you know, it's like, well, has anyone told him where he's misstepping here? Cause our unit is very different from the conventional military. And, um, the answer is no, like it's, it's very obvious. No one has told him. And that's, that's a guy who's would actually probably listen. And then you take somebody who's a complete narcissist and that's like, right. that, then it's a whole different issue. Like how do you, right. um, in your case, it, that's why you have elections, which is great. Um, right. but you got like a police chief. Well, that's, that's a different deal. And you be there forever. Right. As long yeah. as he plays the game correctly and, um, uh, with the city council and in right. my agency's case, um, yeah, he could be there forever and, but everyone underneath him, you know, is, is literally dying. Right. Yes. That's the one thing that's different too in Minnesota in that with, um, you know, it's frustrating and you, and you see it all over. It's not just Minnesota, but with, with chiefs, you know, they have to follow whatever the political narrative is of their city council and their mayor mm -hmm. and they're at will, right. They're not with employees. So if they're not, if they're not following that narrative in the way that the mayor wants him or her to, then they're gone. Mm -hmm. Um, in Minnesota with Minnesota is one of the few States and where the sheriffs are all elected nonpartisan. Right. So we don't, we don't pick don't a political affiliate, party. We don't, yeah. we, we don't affiliate with uh, the left or the right or an independent or whatever. We don't have a primary based on party. We have a primary based on numbers. So if there's more than two that are running, mm. then you have a primary to, to, to whittle it down to your final two candidates for the general election. Right. Um, and I think that's the way it should be here, um, everywhere from a standpoint of law enforcement. We shouldn't have to follow a political narrative right? Um, because the political narrative isn't always, isn't always the right answer when it comes to crime, when it comes to communities, when it comes to the type of work that we do. Mm. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm, and I'm fortunate here. I, I tend to be very conservative, but I'm also in a very conservative community. Mm. Um but there are in our state, for example, the if you look at if you look at politic if you want to look at it politically, you look at uh, um, red communities versus blue communities. Um, the blue communities in Minnesota are Rochester, Minneapolis, St. Paul Metro, uh, Duluth, uh, St. Cloud for the most part, and then uh, and then you go up to uh, Fargo Moorhead area. Hmm. But it's all the metro areas. Everywhere right. else in the state's red. Right. And um, that's pretty much across the entire country. That way everywhere. Yeah. Um, I don't, I, I don't know of any rural areas in the country that are actually blue. I the can't, one thing I can't that's frustrating one. though, for me and for uh, what, for me, it would be frustrating as a sheriff when I, when I go to the national sheriff's association 
um, conference. And I talked to sheriffs from other states, certainly sheriffs from Southern states. And they're, they, they, they're running with a party. Mm. And so they have to, they're, they're somewhat restricted on what they, granted, they're, they're not going to get fired because they're elected, mm. um, but they may not get reelected right. if they're outspoken against whatever the narrative the party is or the party has that they're affiliated with. Mm-hmm. Um, you can you see know, that in the, sorry, not uh, apologize for interrupting. You can no, see ahead. that in, um, you know, in news coverage, for example, where a, a sheriff who's in a, in a more rural area, they're much more outspoken and much more confident Absolutely. in whatever it is that they're saying. They stand up for their officers. They don't, they don't kowtow to whatever the political winds are. And then you see these sheriffs of these massive, um, massive agencies in, in these very urban areas. And they're, they're, you can, they're literally just another politician yep, and pulled into it. Yeah. It's, you can really see that. So it's interesting yeah. for you to see it from the other side. Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. Um, cause I'm just not that way. I'm not going to, right. I don't, to me, it'd be so frustrating. I couldn't do it. Um, right. And that's, I didn't know I was going to do what I'm doing now. I was investigations. Right. <laughs> yeah. I was enjoying it. <laughs> um, yeah. People, it's people been a keep... good experience for me. For me, I for me, the most rewarding part of this job is um, I look at my job as um, I'm I'm making the next leaders. I'm helping mm. develop the next leaders and making sure that I'm making sure that I'm doing what I can to to, to give our our staff the the tools, the training, and the support that they need mm. to to become a better cop to move up to that next position, whether they want to be a sergeant or whether they want to go and work in the schools or, or investigations or, or, or administration or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, to me, the most rewarding is seeing, you know, those deputies who, who started super green and they can't, they come in and we're all like, Oh boy, this kid is, this kid's got no life experience, mm-hmm. you know, to now, um, you know, I've got one who started very young with us Um and uh he we chased him around high school yeah and 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 now he's a great sergeant Mm. he's a great leader within our organization and for me it's so rewarding to see that growth Mm. um that part's just cool i uh that's so rewarding for me and uh we've got several stories he's just one story like that but there are several stories like that in our office of of folks who once you give them that trust level once you give them once they have the feeling that okay administration trusts me they believe in me i can move forward it's okay to make it's okay to push forward and make mistakes as long mm-hmm. as i learn from them um if if there's a case that's bugging me i, I i'm in an, in an environment where it's okay not to be okay um mm-hmm. that's where people grow and that's where that's where uh that's where you get your next leaders and it, that part is super exciting to me i love it yeah and and i think allowing that grace for mistakes made right mistakes were made when you're younger is so important the the kids that come in which i was one of um who have have never done anything officially at least didn't get caught right anything <laughs> like wrong they come in with a perfect record i remember they put a sticky note on my packet that said um smooth as a baby's bottom or, or something <laughs> like that clean as a baby's bottom or something like yeah, that squeaky clean. yeah and um <laughs> those tend to be the officers who are unable to really think outside the box, make good decisions on their own without knowing, okay, well, well, what's the policy say about this, right? right, um, right. They they understand, um, uh, I think, humanity at a little bit deeper level just because they are outside the box thinkers. Yeah, it gets yeah. them into trouble when they're young. And I think right. I think you're one of those people. Oh, um, yeah. But it makes great cops if, if, they, yeah. if they mature and, and realize like, okay, this is something that's important this is valuable. I actually matter now. And I think that's probably the difference, right? Like when you're yeah. a kid, you're just doing kid things. Right, um, right, and then right. you realize like, Hey, this matters and I can do this, you know, yeah. and those make great cops. Yeah. It's just, you know, the, you get the life. I, you're exactly right. I mean, there are, you know, I think the guys that have done the, you know, the, and there are, there are great cops on both sides, Got guys that are, that get, came in squeaky clean and, and, mm have been fantastic cops. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also have the guys that, that came in with, like you said, 
maybe a kind of a colorful history when they were kids or, or, uh, or younger adults. Um, but they've got some life experience, you know, yeah. and, uh, and they tend to be, they tend to be good cops too. They, those are the ones that tend to, they're willing to take risks and try things different, mm. um, because they've made mistakes before right. they've been there before. They're, they're not, not so afraid of making a mistake. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, and that, and that, was, that was my issue. I was very afraid of making mistakes. I was a good cop, but I could have been much better right. if I didn't no. worry so much about, you know, making these little mistakes that are forgivable. Yeah. Everyone makes mistakes. So Yeah, no, agreed. You just got to have an environment where it's okay. Right. You know, where it's okay to screw up and learn from it. So it's not normal for my shows, but we do have a hard stop on this one in like eight minutes. Um, yeah. And I'm, I wanted to get to your podcast much sooner than this but so let's use the last um very eight minutes yeah. of this to talk about the officer down memorial podcast and i guess the first question that i already had written down what made you decide to start it and did that have to do with lauren so for me starting the podcast um knowing lauren's story mm. um and knowing here let me back up on that so when lauren died the Minnesota Law Enforcement Memorial Association helped with our funeral mm. um, and helped with a law enforcement funeral for Loring and, and really, really created a, uh, an incredible uh, celebration of his service uh, at that funeral. And um, they helped me from, I called them the night Loring died. I was on Loring's deck at his house uh, when, before Loring had even left and uh, um, asking for help because I didn't, I, I called uh uh, sheriff Targerson, who's the sheriff in Olmstead County, who's been with Lima for ever since it started. I called him when they, when they called it, when they said Loring was dead, I called Kevin. I said, Loring's gone. I don't, I don't know what to do here. We actually walked the sheriff off the property because the Loring's wife didn't want him on the property. Mm -hmm. um, so we were, I was like, okay, we need help here. Lima, Lima did everything to, to, to put that funeral together. And, and it was just amazing. And these were the kind of people I thought, these are the kind of people that I want to work with. This is something completely new to me. And, um, I got involved on the board of directors with, uh, with Lima. I sit on the board there. I sit on the board now with the law enforcement Memorial foundation in Southeast Minnesota, Loring's the motivation for that. And in 2020 with COVID, um, I've got a studio at home. I've done commercial voiceover work for a long time on the side. Mm. Um, never done podcast work, really didn't know anything about them. And, uh, but kept thinking that with these fallen officer stories, knowing Loring, his family, his background, just knowing that there's so much more to these stories right. that are, are yeah are, aren't aren't told right and the ones that I did go and listen to from your show that's that's exactly what I walked away with it was like man these stories are so and, and how from from a podcaster to a podcaster I know how yeah. much oh and you're much more than just a podcaster but I I know how much work it takes to produce a show like that um, they're extremely well done and they really do tell the story that you're there's nowhere else you can go for that story except sitting down in the living room with that person's family and friends and them that's telling the you the story you're gonna get it yep. yeah it's the only place and you're gonna get it. and these families amazing. all they want is that story to be told their biggest fear is that their fallen officer will be forgotten yeah and with 99 percent of them the full story's never been told right 99 percent of them learn something about their fallen officer in the podcast that they'd never heard before um, so the, the, the impact, the, the unintended benefits of the podcast were, were huge, um, from the standpoint of the families and the, the agencies, um, I spend 40, I average anywhere from 40 to 70 hours on each podcast from start to finish. Um, I it's, it's, I've been able to equate it to 45 minutes to an hour of work for each finished minute of podcast. Um, is a lot of time. A lot. a lot of that's on me because I like the production stuff. Um, I, I, I want to create, I want to create that visual for you. So you feel like you're there. So right. you experience what the family experiences and the, and the officers experience. And yeah, it takes, and, and that uh, takes a lot of time, even for a, a professional. Yeah. I love it. I love doing it. I love working with the families. Um, the national cops association is, uh, um, sending referrals now of families, uh, to tell their story. So we've got a lot of stories coming up from, uh, from Ohio, from Florida, from California, mm. from Wisconsin. Um, initially it was just going to be, I was just going to do the Southeast Minnesota officers that, that we memorialize every year during, 
police week. Mm -hmm. And then it just kind of expanded from there. And, uh, we've had downloads in all 50 States and like 47 countries right now. So, um, well, thank you for doing, doing what you're doing. It's amazing. Um, for everyone listening, it's, it's officer down memorial podcast.com. It's the best place for them to go. Absolutely. Correct. Yep. Yep. Okay. Perfect. Um, yeah, I, I hate to cut this short, but I don't want someone to call me in the middle of a, of, uh, our show. So, uh, we'll, we'll end it here. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, we'll, we'll be in touch and, uh, to my audience, please go check it out. Officer down memorial podcast.com. Uh, what Scott is doing over there is, is truly honoring and, and really important work. So, uh, go check it out. I, especially if you like story podcasts, these, they're great stories. Very well done. So thank you. Thanks for coming on. Yep. Appreciate it. Thank you for your service too. All right. That's it for this one, ladies and gents. Thank you so much for joining again. Go check out officer down memorial podcast at officer down memorial podcast.com and see what Sheriff Rose is doing over there. It's, it's truly phenomenal work. He's doing a huge honor to these officers and their families. Um, so go check it out and support them any way you can. Um, and don't forget it is women's history month. So our America edition shirt, which is not this one, this is the OG. Um, go check out the America edition shirt. I know we have plenty of female, um, aspiring officers, officers, and, and veterans that listen to this show, as well as probably some who just want to learn more about cop stuff. Um, go check it out. They are designed to fit women. Um, my, my wife has one, it fits her amazingly. So, um, again, biased, but, and she's over there. So I have to say that, but true, true. It is true. Um, go check them out. Policecademypodcast.com slash GSF, or just go to the website, click the store and you can order there 22% off the America edition, all women's sizes for the month of March. So go check it out. All right. We'll see you all next time. As always do good, be strong, stay free.